Welcome to the sermon podcast for Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Central South Carolina. We thank you for taking the time to listen to this message, and we pray that God will both bless you and speak to you as you listen and apply His Word to your life. Open you would, if you would, again, your Bible to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. I'm going to try to do something this morning that I've done before, and I decided I want to try to do it again. So Mark chapter 6, I'm going to put the outline on the screen for you, the basic outline on the screen for you to help you, I hope and pray, will be a help to you. Whether you take notes or whether you don't, just to help kind of solidify some of the points that I want us to hear this morning, and that is on this message, learning to find compassion for others. Learning to find compassion for others. And so I'm not going to have the, all the verses on the screen this morning because I'm going to back up to verse 33 when I read. And so you can remain seated, but I'll remind you this is God's Word that we are reading. And I want to catch this first verse that leads from where we left off before Christmas. We moved to the birth of Christ, and we took a pause in Mark. And so now we're back, and so just to kind of remind you where we were, uh, we had talked about the fact of Jesus, we had just touched on the death of John the Baptist and Jesus dealing with that situation, and then that, and that leads us to where we said take a pause, and that was a pause in our study in Mark. It was also a pause that Jesus said, hey, Disciples, come away, let's rest for a while. We talked about sometimes we just need a rest. And so, therefore, that's where they are when chapter 6, beginning in verse 33, picks up. In fact, in verse 32, and they departed into a desert place by ship privately, talking about the apostles and Jesus. And when the people saw them departing, they, and many knew him, they ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them, and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them. That's where we get our title of our message about compassion. Because they were sheep, not having a shepherd, and he began to teach them many things. And when the day was now far spent, the disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country roundabout, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them to eat, or you give them food to eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred penny worth of bread, and give them to eat? And he saith unto them, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they said, Five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make them all sit down by companies upon the grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and brake the loaves, and gave them to his disciples to set before them, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat, and were filled. And they took up twelve baskets full of fragments, and of the fishes. And what they did eat of the loaves were about five thousand men. And then verse 45, 
And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent away the people. Let's pray again. Father, I pray that you'd help us as we look into your word, as we study your word, that you would speak to us from your word, that, you would hear, that we would hear your words and not just this preacher's words, that you would hide me and, and guard me, but Father, that your voice would be heard today, but that you would also put in us a, a new and a greater compassion for the people around us, the people in our church, the people outside of our church, the people wherever we go, that we would have a great compassion for others. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You know, oftentimes it is difficult to have compassion. Compassion meaning to feel with. It's difficult, isn't it, sometimes to have compassion for people, and sometimes all people, and sometimes some people, and sometimes a few people, and sometimes most people. Some of us have more compassionate hearts than others, but no matter how compassionate your heart is, you still need more compassion. Some of us are less compassionate than others, and certainly we need to develop compassion for others. But we all can be guilty of a, of a shortfall or shortcoming when it comes to compassion. Why do we struggle to have compassion for others? You know, again, there's some of us have extreme compassion or bleeding heart compassion. And sometimes it's well-placed, sometimes it's misplaced. But we all struggle at times. Maybe certain segments of society and maybe certain times of our lives that like the disciples said, all right, that's enough. I don't have any more compassion. Send them away. You say, where did they say that at? Well, they went to the Lord. And they said, hey, send them away. Uh, there are all these people there. They were actually going on a break. They were actually part of a pause. They were kind of on a respite, if you will. And here these people come, and they're like, and he's like, Lord, we don't know what to do for them. We can't do for them. We don't have enough to do for them. The day is spent. We've done a lot for them already. Just time for them to go. And there's times that we look at the world around us, and we say, I've done for you before. Or you've had everybody else do for you. Or I've been doing for you for a long time, and that's, that's it. I'm just done. I don't have anything else to give. No more compassion in my heart. And like the disciples, we want to send people away or ignore them. Why is that? Well, one, it's because we get frustrated. Like the disciples here, can you imagine their frustration? They were supposed to be resting, perhaps. They, their rest was cut short, perhaps. They'd done enough already. Whatever it was, they were frustrated, Jesus and his disciples in their ministry had faced a mixed bag of response. In other words, there were some that embraced them. There were some that sought after them. There were some that were seeking to kill them and to imprison them and to accuse them. And so they had run into all kinds of results and responses. And sometimes we, like they lack in compassion because the opposition 
the, the, that we run into. People ignore us. You know, we share the gospel and people ignore it. Or we want to tell them and they don't want to hear it. They don't want to listen to our message. Or they don't like our approach. Or they don't like us personally, perhaps. Whatever it might be. And therefore, we get frustrated. Or, or maybe it's out-and-out out rejection. As far as actually people that just can't stand to hear about the Bible. Don't want to hear about Jesus. Don't want to hear anything from the church. There's people that's not too far from here that we crossed paths. Or we knocked on their door. And, and they didn't want us to come back. They don't want anything to do with God or Jesus or the church. Or anything else. We one time were passing out just note cards of prayer or of uh, Bible verses, and I had somebody from that neighborhood contact the church. They didn't like us passing out things in their neighborhood, and so therefore, there's sometimes that we get frustrated because of opposition or rejection, or perhaps we're just tired. Perhaps we've been serving in the church a long time. We've been serving others for a long time, whether it be for years or maybe it's just days on end and we want a break. We're tired. We're weary. It seems like there's always somebody else that is in need. There's always somebody else that's doing something that needs to be dealt with or helped with. That was what the disciples were running into. That was part of their problem, and sometimes it's part of ours. And sometimes it's just because we get selfish. I want time for me. Uh, I want time for my interest. I've had enough of that Bible reading, or I've had enough of that teaching that class, or I've, I want to go and do my thing. No matter what our reason or our excuse we need to look at people through the eyes of Jesus. If we're going to learn to have the kind of compassion we need to have for others, we have to see the world as Jesus sees the world. And we must find a heart of compassion for others because Jesus had a heart of compassion for others. Jesus had a heart of compassion for others. I want you to see why Jesus had a heart of compassion for others. Why did Jesus have a heart of compassion? It's right here in this passage. You say, well, duh, that's because Jesus loves, Jesus is God and God loves everybody. Yes, that's the general overarching answer. God loves everybody. I heard a uh, preacher, I, I don't even know if it's a preacher. I heard somebody on the internet just the other day, and I loved the way he put this as far as talking about somebody was saying, So, wait a minute. So, what if I am an alcoholic? Well, God loves you, He wants a relationship with you. What if I am an atheist? God loves you, He wants to have a relationship with you. What if I am gay? God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. What if I'm a liberal? What if I'm a what if I'm just an out and out left wing, nothing like you left? God loves you. He wants to have a relationship with you. What if I'm a conservative and I, I God loves you? He wants to have a relationship with you. 
God loves everybody and wants a relationship. It doesn't matter what you've done, where you've been, and He has compassion for you and for me and for others. And therefore, we need to have a heart of compassion, and we need to understand why Jesus had a heart of compassion, and it's right here in this message. He had a heart of compassion, the Bible says, because He knew they were without hope. Look, in, look, look again, look, look in your Bible, look in chapter 6, look in verse 34. It says, And Jesus, when He came out, saw much people, and was moved with compassion toward them, because they were as sheep, not having a shepherd. He knew they were without hope, because if you don't have the shepherd, a sheep without a shepherd has no hope. None. Zero. Cows can kind of fend for themselves to a certain extent. Sheep don't. Uh, a horse, to a certain extent, can fend for himself. That's why you get wild horses. You don't have wild sheep. Sheep have to have a shepherd. Uh, sheep can't run away. Sheep can't defend themselves. Sheep aren't very big. Again, a cow is huge. I remember saying, I remember, you know, you see cows in the field and they look big. We were uh, over at a corn maze somewhere, and one of the part of the corn maze, we went on this hayride, and they took us right up, and the cows came up and they would eat out of your hand, and those things are massive. I mean, just the size of the animal sometimes can serve as protection, but not a sheep. Sheep are hopeless without a shepherd, and he knew that they were without hope. He knew they had no hope whatsoever. He had compassion for them then because they were without hope. He has compassion for people now because he knows without a shepherd they have no hope. Got news for you. He has compassion for you because even if you have a shepherd, if we stray from the shepherd, we've got to have, without the shepherd, we have no hope, even if you're saved. Without a shepherd, you, in life, you really have no hope. He has compassion for me. Lost my place. Hang on one second. Get back to it. Without sheep, they get sheep get lost. Without, without a shepherd, rather, sheep get lost. They get into danger. They go hungry. They're defenseless. They will get sick. They'll die without a shepherd. They're without hope. And Jesus, of course, compares people to sheep. And He knew they had no shepherd. And so, therefore, He had compassion on them because they had no shepherd. And therefore, He knew the hope they needed. And that's why He began to teach them many things. Not only does Jesus know that without a shepherd we have no hope, but He also knows exactly what kind of hope you need. You see, the world will offer hope. The devil will offer you hope. It will offer all kinds of things to try to encourage you or try to be a help to you or try to, try, try to steer you in the way that the world thinks that you ought to go. In fact, if you turn to the world, you'll find all kinds of books, and books will turn you all kinds of different directions. You'll find all kinds of websites on getting help, and they'll turn you all kinds of different directions. But the Lord knows that the real hope we need is the Lord. That's the hope 
that we need. And he knew that was the hope that we need. He knew that they needed to know the truth of who he was. They need, he, that he needed to know the truth of who, no, let me put it this way. He needs, we need to know the truth of who he is. We need to know the truth of who we are. We need to know the truth of our condition. Without a shepherd, without Jesus Christ, we don't know any of this. We need to know the truth of salvation. And even if you've been saved, you need to know the truth so that you can share with others the truth of salvation. He knew the hope they needed. He knows the hope that we need. And so therefore, I want you to see that Jesus had a heart of compassion and why he had a heart of compassion. But I also want you to see, and you may say, well, this is kind of a silly question. Well, then why do we need to find compassion for others? And you say, well, that's silly because Jesus, and that's exactly the answer. Because Jesus had compassion. We need to have compassion because Jesus had compassion. We need to have compassion because Jesus lives in us. And if people look at you and see you, they're not seeing Jesus. They need to see Jesus. You are the only Jesus some people will ever see. That's the old cliche, but it's true. And here's the thing. Why do we need to find compassion for others? Because Jesus did, and we should need no, you know, that old song, I need no other argument, I need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. Well, we need no other argument. We don't ought to need no other plea. It is enough that Jesus had compassion and Jesus had compassion for me. And so therefore I should have compassion for others because he did. And I want to be like him. You ought to want to be like him. It is enough. His compassion will be enough, but we need to let people see that compassion in us. But the second reason, because Jesus told us to. He told the disciples, you need to have compassion for them. In fact, he said, get busy showing your compassion. That's why when they come to him and they say, send them away. We don't have enough food. It's the days late and so forth and so on. Send them away. And he says, feed them. Take care of them. Show them some compassion. They are without a shepherd. They are in this, you just told me that you're, we're in a desert place. You just told me we don't have any food. You just told me it's late. You just told me it's time to eat. So go ahead and feed them. Verse 36, send them away. We don't have anything to eat, or they have nothing to eat. And he said, give ye them to eat. So we need to have compassion because Jesus did. We also need to have compassion because he told us to. We go in his name. Jesus no longer lives on this earth. He sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit dwells in us, in the church, in the believer. And so therefore, we are to go in his name, in his authority, in his power, showing the compassion that he has for others because he has that compassion for us, and he has that compassion for for them. I said this once already, but I'm going to say it again. It's not just compassion for the lost, although I think that's the main thrust here. The disciples were the believers, the followers, the people were coming to hear and see miracles and yes, be fed perhaps but they were without, and so therefore we often focus on compassion for the lost. 
which is sometimes the hardest to have because we see the actions, the decisions, the opposition, the rejection. But he said, have compassion for them, but also it's compassion for the found, for the saved. We just sang the song, you know, prone, not too long ago, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Take my heart, or take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. In fact, this comes from Come Thou Fount. We sang that song before, not so very long ago. And then it has another verse that I don't know we've ever sung before that I saw when I was doing my studying. And it says this, Rescued thus from sin and danger, purchased by the Savior's blood, may I walk on earth a stranger as a son and heir of God. Listen, we need the shepherd too. We need his compassion too. And he has compassion for us. And therefore, that compassion Compassion ought to be reflected, if you will, to others. He told us to. But also because the hour is late. The hours are late. Unless we, we talked about this a week or so ago, unless we tell them the hope that is found in Jesus, unless we tell them the life that is found in Jesus, unless we tell them what Jesus Christ did on the cross for them and their need of salvation and how their purchase has been already made, how will they hear? They're lost. You know, the world, the lost world is lost and wandering in the desert. They were in a remote place. They were in a desert place. They had nothing. These people had nothing to meet their need. And the people in the world today that don't know Jesus are lost and have nothing to meet their need. Nothing. Nothing that counts. Nothing that will satisfy. Nothing that will make a difference for eternity. They're blind to their condition. They're in danger and they're dying in sin. And therefore, we need to show compassion because the hour is late. The disciples said the day is well spent. In other words, they're going on here and they say, uh, verse 35, and the day is now far spent. It's late. My friends, I've said this over and I'll continue to say it over and over again. I don't know if the Lord is coming as soon as I like to think He is, but I know that He's coming, and I know that it's getting later and later, not just in the, the, the temporal nature of the world and when Christ comes, but in my life, in your life. Our time is running out. The day is late. But also, we're told to because they're without hope, because the hour is late, but also because they are hungry. That's what he said to the people. The people here, they need to go eat. They're hungry. Send them away that they may go into the country round about and into the villages and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing. Now, I'm taking the literal of what they said. They literally need food, but I want you to understand that Jesus said, I have compassion and we need to have compassion because they are spiritually starving. The people there, that's why he said, I know the hope they need. And he taught them many things about who he was, about 
what they needed as far as salvation. People are hungry in this life. People are seeking answers. We may think they're not because they don't want to hear what we have to say about the gospel. At least when we tell it, we run into some of that opposition. We say, well, how hungry are they really? They are starving for truth. They are starving for something that really matters. That's why, and you've heard me say this before, you've heard other preachers say this before, that's why people will pursue all kinds of things, trying to fill the void in their life, trying to find something that satisfies in their life, trying to find something that will give them hope in life, or things that will cover up the hurt and the pain and the loss in their life. Because they don't have Jesus. Or, if they're saved, they're not looking to Jesus. And so therefore... They're starving, looking for something to believe in, looking for what is true. You ever wonder about people who choose other religions, cults? And, and again, you think of Jim Jones and, and, and uh, uh, the Kool-Aid out in, out in the desert, right? Out, they, all the people who drank the Kool-Aid and died, the mass suicide. We hear about you know the whole thing with David Koresh back when I was uh, high school, college age, David Koresh, and down there in Waco, Texas, and people that believed that he was the Messiah. People, you say, why do people believe stuff that obviously we look at and we say, that can't possibly be true, because people want desperately to believe in something. And if it's, if it's compelling, if it, is, if it is told by somebody who has a compelling personality, or that sounds good to me, and they get all hyped up, and they get all jazzed up, and I want to believe something. I was listening to a preacher on TV the other day. I'm not going to call his name. I'll just say a so-called preacher, but... He was telling all kinds of stuff, and he was getting them all jazzed up, and he kept repeating himself, and he kept a shouting, and he kept a hollering, and the people were, whoo, that's wonderful, praise God. And I'm sitting there going, but what he's telling them is not Bible. But they were all excited because they were going to get this, and they were going to get that, and they were going to have joy and happiness, and they were going to get all these things, and they were going to be wealthy, and they were going to be uh, prosperous, and all this kind of thing. And wasn't it just wonderful? You can claim it, and you can have it, and God will do it. And they were just like, yes. And I'm sitting here going, but it's not in my Bible. People are desperate and starving for something to hold on to, something to believe in. And so they need to see compassion from us. We as a church, meaning not just Pleasant Hill, I mean just as churches in general, and can sometimes be the ones that are the most hostile to people who need love. Somebody, you know, you have a young girl get pregnant outside of the confines of marriage or outside of wedlock before she's married, and, and boy, we will just really rip into them. Now listen, sexual relationship outside the confines of marriage is sin. Let's make no mistake. I'm not trying to sugarcoat that whatsoever. 
but I've always thought, at least my mind, how I view some things that have taken place in church is we'll get all kinds of upset about the fact that a girl got pregnant, but it wasn't what got her pregnant. It was just the fact that, oh, now it's obvious that you were doing this, this kind of relationship. And we'll throw them out. And we'll reject them because you grew up in church. You should have known better. And the world will say, hey, come on in over here. Hey, it's okay. We'll take care of you. We'll love you. We'll help you. Now, listen, I'm not saying we approve. I'm not saying that we pat them on the back and say, hey, everything's just going to be hunky-dory. I'm simply saying, hey, no matter what mistakes you make, no matter what sin you do, no matter what grievous thing or terrible thing or whatever it is you want to call it, God still loves you. And therefore, God, loves, God, listen, the things that I did, God forgave me and God will forgive you and God loves you and God loves me. And therefore, I need to show you God's love and have some compassion. That doesn't mean pat you on the head and say, well, that's all right, keep on doing what you're doing or that's okay don't worry about it just sweep it under the rug no I'm simply saying that we still love it doesn't have to be pregnancy it can be drugs or alcohol or lying or disrespect or pride or any number of things that we can throw out there talking to somebody just the other day and gossip Gossiping about people, that's a sin. But yet we somehow find some sins more repulsive than others. But we need to have compassion for all people. Let me finish up by saying this. So how do I find compassion for others? I mean, knowing that Jesus had compassion, that ought to help me. But knowing that Jesus wants me to, that ought to help me. But how do I find compassion for others. Well, number one, turn to Jesus. You turn to Jesus. The disciples turned to Jesus and said, we can't do it. We don't have it. And Jesus said, well, what do you have? Right? He goes down and he says, he, he says give them to eat. And they say unto him, well, shall we go and buy 200 penny worth of bread and give them to eat? And he says unto them, what do you have? How many loaves do you have? Go and see. So, hey, use what you've got, but then bring it to me. Turn it over to me. So, therefore, I have a little compassion in my heart. God, I need your kind of compassion. I can't do it on my own. I can't love people like I ought to love them. I can't share the gospel how I ought to share the gospel. I, I, I can't feel for people and be there for people like I ought to be. God, help me. And then what we find out is the fact that when we turn things over to Jesus, that we admit that we don't have what we need, and we acknowledge that we can't produce what we need but we believe that Jesus is sufficient, then I'll give it over to him and say, Jesus, I don't know what can be done with this, but here is what I have. And it's nothing. I didn't mention this. I've mentioned it before. The feeding of the 5,000, I refer to it, and you've heard me refer to it before, the feeding of the 22,500, because it was 5,000 men, and if you figured half of them had wives and then you figured you also had some single women in there and you had some children and grandchildren, you get up to a bigger number than just 5,000. So my point is this, they were looking at this going, it is unattainable for us, but God, here's what I have and 
do with it what you will. And if you struggle with your compassion, if you just turn yourself over to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't have much. I don't have enough. I can't do it. I admit it. I acknowledge it. I confess it. But I believe that you can do something with it. That's the key to having compassion for others and having the kind of compassion we ought to have for others. And then turn to others. By turn to others, I mean then just step out and by faith, obey. Jesus said, go and see. And they went and they come back and they said, this is all I got, five loaves and two, and, and, and two fish. Or, yeah, five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, well, give me what you got. And he blesses it. And I love to illustrate this. And I, he just starts breaking it off. And the, You know, they're lined up. There. They're standing around him. One of them just standing there. And he says, well, get a basket. And they get these great, no, not that basket. Get like a great big basket. Okay, and they get there, and he just starts breaking it off and dropping it in the basket. And they just watch him as he keeps dropping it in the basket. And then that basket's full. The second one's like, well, surely, I don't know where you got that from, but what do you keep dropping it in the basket? Tearing it off, breaking off that bread, tearing off that fish, dropping it in the basket. And they go and they feed 20-some thousand people, 5,000 men, Let's just stick with that for a moment. And they see, they step out, and they begin to serve, and they find that a miracle takes place. And when you take what you've got, and you just give it to God and say, God, I don't know, but you do it what you will, and I'm going to believe you for it. And then he takes and multiplies what you have and does a miracle with it. Then that not only increases your faith, but also it helps you. And not again, this is the other key, is turning others. Don't look at me. It's all him. So when we're passing out food or we're feeding the hungry or we're giving to Clemson Community Care or we're doing whatever it is we're doing, don't look at us. It's Jesus. It's not what we can do. It's what he does. The disciples obeyed. They served. They saw a miracle and they received from God. They received from God a miracle. Number one, they received the miracle of grace. You say, well, where do you see that at? Jesus didn't immediately jump all down their throat. What do you mean you can't do that? Haven't you learned anything? No, they received grace. He says, well, what do you have? Go and see. Go, go look and just see what you can get. And they come back, and then the grace of the patience that he shows them, the, pay, the, the love that he has for them, the, the compassion that I understand that you don't get it. I understand that you don't understand. Compassion for us. But they also receive from God power. Going back to the Great Commission, we go in Jesus' authority. We go in Jesus' power. They received all they needed from Jesus, from God. Enough to feed the crowd, enough so that there was 12 baskets full. How many disciples were there passing out the food? Tell me. How many were there? How many were there? Shout it out. 12. One for each of them. 
There is enough for others. There will be enough for you. My, I am sufficient, Jesus would say. My compassion is sufficient. My strength is sufficient. My mercy, my grace is sufficient. All that you will need, he will give. And the very last thing, and I'm done, is he took care of them. Not just in the feeding them, not just in the strength for them, not just in the grace for them, but the very end of that is then he sent them away being the disciples. The disciples said, hey, send these people away. Jesus said, no, hang on one second. Take care of them, and then I'm going to send you away. Why? Because he knew the people were going to come and try to make him king, and he said, I don't want you getting caught up in that. And so he protected the disciples by sending them away. God knows exactly what we need. He knows exactly when we need it. And all that we will ever need be provided by the Lord. Oh, my friends, listen, if you don't have the compassion, listen, none of us have the compassion that we need. Oh, I can look around the room, and there's some in this room that I would say, if I'm being, you know, my looking at things, so they got, they're more compassionate towards others than somebody else is, or they're, let's just make it personal, they're more compassionate than me. But no matter how compassionate you are, you need more. And if you're not compassionate, you can have, you can have the compassion of Jesus. Just turn to him and say, I don't have it. I need more of it. Help. And watch him do a miracle in your life. Not the miracle of making you great, not the miracle of making you rich, not the miracle of making you famous, the miracle of allowing you to be part of his will and be used as an instrument to share the love and gospel of God. Oh, my friends, will we learn to find the compassion of Christ? Will we learn to find the compassion to show to others? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you'd be with us today, and Father, I pray that you would demonstrate your compassion for us. We're flawed. This pastor is flawed. This pastor fails. We, your people, need your strength. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need compassion. But help us to show a world that is hungry and lost and desperately in danger. The love that you have for them, the price that you paid for them. Help us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. We thank you for listening to this message from the Word of God. At Pleasant Hill, we desire to be a help and a blessing to you. If you have any questions or prayer requests, or if we can be a help to you in your walk with God, we invite you to contact us here at Pleasant Hill by visiting our website at phbc.online. Thank you, and may God bless you.